could please follow the lovely Miss Alicia back there to children's ministry. Where are you going, Chris? Is that why you're standing up? Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Boy, that's a stampede. That is a lot of kids today. It is. I'm excited. That's, that's fun. That's good stuff. I can appreciate that. All right. So today is a really special day. I tucked my shirt in. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm getting the thumbs down. It's not approved. I know, I know, and I've gotten flack for it too. So, so here we are. Here we are. I tucked my shirt in. Today should be special. No, praise the Lord. And as Chris did in the beginning, I want to do just because it seemed like it was fun. So he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen, brothers and sisters. When we talk about Christianity, and especially when we talk about the resurrection, we have a tendency to just talk about the by and by. This is what happens way down the road. This is what, you know, we can expect. This is where you put your hope into. This is where the future goes and the future holds. But if you've been here before, as most of us have been, then you know right now is just as important as the by and by. And then as you can see from the points of the, the sermon, certainly we serve our eternal Lord Jesus, but he's alive, he's active, and he's faithful right now. Just the same as when we look towards the future and the hope that we have in that future. And we're going to talk a lot about that today, too, because I think the application for the resurrection is almost more important than the story of the resurrection, because this is our lives now and the future and forever. It's eternal. It's not just through this life. So when people tell you you need to live your best life now, don't buy into that, because someday we'll be with Jesus in heaven and there won't be any of these sin issues. There won't be any of these problems that we experience. And I am sure that the present sufferings will pale in comparison to the glories that will be revealed to us when we are finally with Jesus face to face. Praise the Lord indeed. So, dear Heavenly Father, as always, I thank you for all the blessings in our lives especially the ones that we fail to see. But Lord Jesus, we can see your church and we can certainly still feel your love and experience your grace and mercy on our lives. And so as we approach your word, certainly tune our hearts and our minds to your will. May you continue to give us the guidance, the wisdom, and the strength that we need to persevere through this life. And may this sermon and this Worship service, certainly, Lord Jesus, be for your glory and our good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So even though I forgot the page number, this is Luke 24, verse 1 through 12. And it reads this way. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. 
And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Amen. Indeed. And so, here we find ourselves on this Easter Sunday, certainly talking about the resurrection and probably the most common and well-known part of the resurrection story. The stone was rolled away and there's no Jesus. Where did he go? How did he do this? Was it some amazing trick? Was it God's, you know, magnificent miracles? And of course, in all of this, realizing that this is certainly for the vast majority of us human beings a hard story to swallow or a hard story to believe. Now for us as Christians and followers, thanks to the blessing of the Holy Spirit, we have no problem accepting this as truth. We know that God is good. We know that his word is filled with truth and promises. God doesn't sugarcoat things. He tells us exactly how it is. And so we find in this the part, especially when you see the first point here and what I've highlighted in the section why do you seek the living among the dead? And so this is certainly something that we can talk about and expand on a much greater level, but I want to keep it very simple and short in this. And as we were about to sing the fourth and final song, because he lives at the end of the sermon and communion and offering, you'll see and hear a little bit more about some of the reasons. Like our Lord is with us today. In this moment, in this room, we have the Holy Spirit as Christians, followers, dwelling within us that we may know the will of God and that we may you know, be able to follow his examples, that the word actually begins to make sense to us by this blessing. But life is worth the living just because he lives. And that's the big lyric of the very last song. And actually, last year, too, if you looked it up, the entire sermon was about because he lives. And it's very important that we grasp that and we understand that. And that's why I'm not going to a lot of different places. I want you to know that as much as we have seen, or we haven't seen it because none of us were alive back then, let's be real, but as much as we've experienced and heard the stories of, of Jesus' death, the burial, and the resurrection, that we begin to understand and we begin to see and know that Jesus is still here. And in this world, we will face tribulation, but take heart, he's overcome the world. And sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In all of this, Jesus walks with us. He talks with us. He hangs out with us. We 
praise Him, we honor Him. Chris talked a good amount about prayer this morning. You know what the greatest thing about prayer is? It's not the words you say. It's not the things that you speak. It is the humbling of yourself and the glorifying of God that makes prayer the most amazing thing that it is. Because people who don't pray are typically full of themselves. And they don't need God. And they don't walk with Him or talk with Him. But we're not here to condemn anybody. God's grace and His mercy is profound in society and culture. It's not something that's normal to us by any stretch of the imagination. Fact, mercy, how do we do that anymore? I don't even see any mercy typically in our society. It's always pointing fingers, it's wagging, it's condemnation, but that's what makes Jesus so different. It's not just the fact that in the scope of religion and in the works-based system that our Lord ultimately, uh, you know, that we do these things in order to appease God, but it's the fact that Jesus has come and done these things to bring us back to Him because it's so strong within Him to want this relationship with His people. That's why we're all still here. It's by the love of God and the desire for a relationship. When God wiped out earth long ago in Noah and the great flood, he was right to do so. And he would still be right to do so, even though some of us would be like, no, 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 I love the world and the things of the world and the people of the world. But I'm really going to challenge you on that later in this sermon. Do you really love the world as much as it is? and the way that it is, and how it is? Or are you just comfortable and you're scared to let go? And I think that's probably the right answer, is you're more comfortable with what you do know rather than being willing to accept what God has told us as truth and to walk in those ways. And so life is worth the living just because he lives, and why seek the living among the dead? It's the whole first point. Our God lives. He is here with us now. Let's never forget that. And so the second point really is the whole crux of the sermon, if you will. It's the biggest part, and it's the active part. We're all active. We all are busy. We all do things on a daily basis. Are they productive or self-serving or who knows? That question is something we all have to answer and ask for ourselves. But as you see, I've highlighted a lot of the text here, especially in the second point. The first point and the third point both have one highlight. And then the second point has a lot. And so just briefly, and I'm going to mince these words a little bit for you so that maybe you see it a little differently and understand it a little differently. But I first want to point out through, through six and through seven, you see six starts, he has risen, and you see verse seven end, third day rise. I would probably call this an inclusio of some kind because it begins and it ends in the exact same way. And it is all about he has risen. And the reason why he has risen is because he has defeated death. He has conquered sin and has left sin in the flesh so that when we physically die, Despite our bodies being raised, not necessarily in physical fashion, but from a spiritual standpoint, when we're raised, there will be no more sin. 
Now, part of the reason why he has this and this ability is because he lived that perfect sinless life. And as he lived that perfect sinless life, he unjustly was murdered as he's living that sinless life because people didn't like what he had to say. You kind of see that happening again in culture around us. A lot of people trying to silence a lot of people because they don't like what they have to say. Let me put it this way. Opinions are like mouths. Everybody has one. What do you do with that? You just have to accept it as what it is, that they are very much opinions, not necessarily facts. So, he is not here, but he has risen. And why? Again, because he defeated death and the hold of sin on the flesh and condemned it in the flesh. And remember how he told you, and maybe a better way to do this is, remember when you walked face to face with Jesus? Remember when he was here in the flesh and he actually told you and he spoke godly wisdom to you and he imparted that godly knowledge and he, in the Sermon on the Mount, told us what the kingdom of heaven was going to be like and what to expect and, and how we really have a problem with sin because it's not necessarily what you do, it's even the thoughts that we have in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have hate of someone, that's the same as murder. If you think about a man or woman improperly, you've committed adultery with them, and it just goes on and on. I was like, dang, that problem is way greater than I thought. And then you think about all the temptations and all the ways that we as sheep get led astray each to our own way. Man, there's a lot of issues that surround this. But he told you these things in his teachings, and it was face to face. So as the ladies are sitting there, he's not there, he's risen. But remember how he told you and he walked with you. And then we see this while he was in Galilee, right here on earth, laughing, crying, healing, walking, hiding, eating. The list goes on and on. There is no doubt that Jesus was fully human. And in fact, while he was still in Galilee, while he was on earth, that the Son of Man, while he was in human form, or in the flesh as it was, he was handed over to the authorities unjustly because you see the sinful men with their self-glorifying motives. It still hasn't changed. It's still the same yesterday as it was and is today with people and their self-glorifying motives. And so he had to be delivered and then to be crucified, to die as a human being, a horrible, shameful, unjust death. But in this horrible, shameful, unjust death, this is where reconciliation can happen because of the substitutionary atonement of our Lord Jesus. He took a punishment he didn't deserve so that we don't have to take a punishment that we rightly deserve. In the case of justice and mercy, I love that we sung that song about mercy because in the case of justice, you deserve everything you have coming to you. You are a sinner. You are bent to your own desires. You have hurt yourself and you have hurt other people because you worship idols. Not little clay or wooden crafts, but you worship your family or your relationships or your money or your work or your power or your prestige or your fill in the blank. 
We worship many different things in many different ways. And that's just the sad fact of who we are. But we don't know any better. We were born spiritually dead, cut off from the things of God. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that any of us can know the Lord Jesus. It's not something that we've earned so that we can boast about it. It's a gift from God, as it would be. And in this, this point two is the greatest gift from God because he was crucified and then on the third day rose. So the closing is the same as the opening, and thus this forms the gospel of salvation and why our Lord Jesus came. Unfortunately, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, well, because we're self-glorifying human beings, about what Jesus came for and what he's going to do for me and how my life's going to be better and how the sunshine and rainbows are going to continue to fall because, well, I accepted Jesus in my heart doesn't really work like that, but this is what this is about. It is about your salvation. Make no mistake about it. The beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, is, as Chris pointed out, well, not this part that he pointed out, but they shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He will not provide you with the greatest health and wealth and wellness and big fat cars and homes and more relationships than you can handle and everything else that whatever your human heart desires that you want as you're tempted by it. This is why Jesus came, for the salvation of people. And the resurrection was that final part of the gospel that needed to happen. As it's laid out here, he told you while he was here on earth that while he was in the flesh, he had to be delivered over to sinful men in order to be crucified and die a horrible punishment that he didn't deserve because we deserve it, and then be raised again, thus condemning death and sin in the flesh. And this is our greatest joy on resurrection. And as much as I'd like to be like, oh yeah, we talk about the resurrection every Sunday. We talk about Jesus every Sunday. Like, yeah, we do talk about Jesus every Sunday. But this is good to have a reminder of this hope that we have. Because we all get led astray again. But remember, at its core, this is about salvation. Always about salvation. Yes, we can talk about sanctification, which is the process of being made holy and into Christ's likeness, and that certainly is in the here and now, but no matter what happens between here and then and whenever, as in all eternity, we're still going to be okay because our Lord is active and he continues to work within us as well as within the world, which is a great tie-in to Esther again because we see his providence. We hear about God's working. We may not specifically see, and God admit, yeah, I did that. I did that for you guys. Don't worry. Let me show you how awesome I am. I did that. But instead of that, you know, we're kind of left. Where is God working in, in all of this? And if you're able to see his providence, then you are truly blessed. Because when you see God's mighty hand at work in your life and the life of those around you, it is assurance. It is encouragement. It is hope. 
It is peace, and it is just about every other gospel-centered word that I can think of because I know my Lord lives, I know he cares, and I know he's still at work. And as much as I'm here right now, and maybe I don't want to be here right now, but as much as I'm here right now, I know he's with me, and I know he'll be with me forever, for all eternity. And so they finished this section. They remembered his words. And I just want to touch on this. Yes, it is in the present while in human form that they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus did say he'd do all these things. I forgot. Yeah, absolutely. But remember, as the gospel writers lay out, and, you know, and maybe not so present in this section today, but you see it in all the gospels, how they continue to tie it to the Old Testament. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies of the Messiah coming to save God's people and to enact a new covenant. And then we have the New Testament that reveals Jesus as that Son of God and as that promised Messiah. And so they remembered his words, and they continue to remember his words. And so we go to the last point, this simple point again, too. And so we see the story. We've got the ladies telling the disciples. The disciples are like, uh-huh, okay, that's nice. What an idle tale you have. And so it makes me wonder, too, it's like, oh, did Mary not get enough sleep last night? Or maybe they're having a sympathetic moment, right? They're like, yeah, I miss Jesus too, but your story's a little wonky. The fact that he's not there in the tomb, it's got me a little worried about you, Mary. And so, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder because you can fill in the blanks and we deal with these assumptions again, an excellent tie to Esther because it's not the assumptions we get to work with. We try to use those to make us feel better about the story or maybe bring a laugh or whatever as we just did, but we can only deal with the facts. And so the facts are, this seemed to them an idle tale. And you know what? To be brutally honest with you, if there was any other response from the apostles, then, yeah, okay, Mary. Like, if there was any other response, I would question the validity of the gospel to a higher degree. reason why is because our human nature absolutely says what the apostles are doing, which is like, okay, yeah, so Jesus is gone. He's raised from the dead. I think you need a nap. I think you, you, you've maybe been under a lot of stress lately, I think, you know, and as it goes on. But that is truthfully the case. And so we see that he marveled at what happened, which is another word of he wondered or he admired is what that word also means. He admired what happened. And so look at how Jesus did it. Look at the fact that he did do it. He beat death, faithfully accomplishing his mission, the gospel of salvation for the sinner. And thankfully, in the scope of this, and as you see this little passage, thankfully again, and praise the Lord for this, make no mistake, salvation is based on Christ's faithfulness, not my faithfulness. Praise the Lord, because if this was based on my faithfulness, you'd see a lot more of this apostle-type behavior. You would see a lot more of, well, okay, like you want me to what? Yeah, that's nice. Let's not do that, but that's a good suggestion, Lord. I, I appreciate you coming at me with that, but uh, we're not really going to do that today. And so our eternal Lord, Jesus, 
most certainly is living, he's active, and he's faithful. And that's good news. The gospel of salvation is good news. Gospel means good news. Everything that I say about Jesus, I'm like, man, that's good news. There's very little thing that I'm like, yeah, that's not good news, other than, oh, yeah, you're a sinner and you need me as a savior. Like, if that's the worst news, then we're good. Like, there's, there's worse things than that. But the conclusion and the application that I want for this is a little heavier and it is a little more serious, if you will, to a, toying, a point. Because this is about life and death. And this is about war and peace. And so I want to share some of my story with you, if you will, in humility, as it would be, and in perhaps somewhat shocking fashion, but I promise you I'm okay. I know Jesus. I'm going to be okay. He is the great healer. He is the sustainer of life. And if I'm ever so brutally honest with you, I should already be dead. By my own hands or through unique situations in my life. And so, I can't make this story up, but on Friday, which coincidentally was Good Friday, but when I made this appointment, I did not know it was Good Friday. I went and saw a hematologist. Do you know what a hematologist does? It's a blood doctor. I saw a blood doctor on Good Friday. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, right? Like, this is a good thing. This is fun. And so we, we, of course, you know, I get my blood drawn, as I always do, which is never a fun time. But my goodness, I deal with needles on an everyday basis. And trust me when I say this, too. I am absolutely not looking for your sympathy in the slightest. May this story be to the glory of God, not to Eric in at all. But the doctor told me, based on some of the things that I have, and I've told my wife, and my mom's here, and I'm like, dang, I really should have told her this before too. But long story short, he tells me I have 10 years to live. And it's like, what? 10 years to live, right? Like, boy, that's a punch in the gut, like you've never had one before or anything like that. And he's like, well, based on the level of attrition right now and based on the degeneration and what's going on, I'm guesstimating you have about 10 years to live. And I'm like, what? 10 years to live? How do you know I have 10 years to live? And that's when he goes into a little song and dance or whatever. But it's also a doctor. And I find this very interesting because doctors do this very much the same as evangelists will do this. Like, it's scare tactics, right? Like, you need to change your ways or X is going to happen. So it's kind of like scare tactics about, hell, well, you, you don't turn, you're going to burn. Like, and if that's the case, well, okay, then I'm not going to turn because I quite frankly don't like you because you're telling me about all these negative things and these negative impacts. But don't miss out on the life thing here. And what's interesting, too, about a conversation that I had with my hematologist on this day is that uh, we talked about life expectancy, which is crazy coincidence, which isn't really coincidence at all because I don't believe in it, but we just talked about this the night before in our growth group. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we just talked about life expectancy because we're going through Exodus and there was the genealogy in chapter six. And they're like, 
well, how do they live so long? And this, that, and the other. And as the doctor told me, you know, for my group, up until the 20s and the 30s, our life expectancy was still only about 30 years old. It was in the 50s when we got uh, modern medicine, if you will, and then in the 60s when we created vaccines that the life expectancy of human beings started to go up because as it went down from leaving heaven and, you know, death being death, and the way that it is, that naturally we didn't live as long. And that's okay too, right? But Jesus sustains us in this. And as I just said before, and this is why I don't worry about this, and I told you it's, I feel like it's really scare tactics. Like No one can know. The God of life knows. And Jesus is that God of life. And so because I'm with him, because he's eternal, because he's living and active and faithful, I'm still not ultimately concerned. I do my part, right? I do my part. And so the question in my head at the end of all this was, well, isn't Jesus alive? Didn't he defeat death, right? Won't I live forever as he will? Life without sin around. Can you imagine that joy? that we all experience and that we have. No more pain, no more suffering, no more illness, no more death, and the slew of other wrongs that are in this world, the brokenness that sin has caused for each and every one of us. And so I take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And that is what we celebrate today at Easter time, is that Jesus has overcome the world and he has victory over life and death. So life and death don't scare me. I know my Lord walks with me. I know he's active and in control, and I know he's faithful. And I take that with me everywhere I go. I forget it 95% of the time, but I certainly take it with me wherever I go. Amen? Amen. Let's be real. <laughs> like, there's, there's no point and not being real about this, and especially about life and death. And so here's some more as it goes, and about war and peace. And so while I certainly am talking about myself in this, this really applies to all of us. And of course, glory to God in, in this, that he has overcome all of these things, and that I can take heart because he has overcome the world. I'm okay, and I'm going to be okay. I'm probably going to go through situations where I'm like, this is terrible, and I don't want to be here, and I don't know what I'm learning, but, you know, hindsight's 2020. Sanctification is a slow, painful process. God is faithful. He's going to walk with me through it. So, again, it's going to be okay. But war and peace. Part of the reason why the Lord has talked about this or, or why this came up is in my body, my white blood cells are, are always ready to fight. In fact, this is what started me going to the hematologist in the first place, is my white blood cell count has been high, elevated. It's not because of cancer. It's not because of, of anything else. And in fact, the hematologist is like, yeah, I think your white blood cell count's high because you're diabetic. I'm like, whoa, that's great. Whatever. How does this fix anything or change anything? And then I'd like to see you again. Like, Why? You just told me the reasons. And long story short, there is a war in my body physically. Those white blood cells are always ready to attack. This is kind of a good thing because if a disease is coming, I got plenty of white blood cells already ready to, you know, go to go to work, go to town, kick some butt and take some names. They're ready. 
They're, they're gung-ho about it. But if anything comes through and, and passes those white blood cells, well, I'm probably going to get sicker than the average human being because my white blood cells are already high, they're already elevated, they're already difficult to deal with. And so it caused me to think about everyone else too. And, you know, I said I'm diabetic. I take four or five shots a day. Most people are terrified of shots, period. But here we are. And so it caused me to think about your physical wars too. And even as I look around the room, I'm like, there's heart issues. There's lung issues, cholesterol issues, um, high blood pressure issues that I know about, fibromyalgia issues, nerve damage issues, back pain, uh, varieties of cancers that we've dealt with. And I'm like, dang, that's a terrible war to fight every single day of your life. Terrible war to fight. And everybody has that war. No one escapes that war. But it gets even worse. Because this physical war in my body creates an emotional war in my mind. And as this creates that emotional war in my mind, I stop fighting. I get tired. I get worn down. I get frustrated. And as I get worn down and as I get frustrated, there gets this feeling of hopelessness. There becomes this feeling of meaninglessness or pointlessness. I know my brother Matt and I have talked about this before. It's like, We've been good. We didn't eat bad things. Why is the blood sugar raising? But it does. And I can't begin to tell you how defeating that makes me feel. And then, I haven't even gotten to the mental illnesses. We talked about the physical ailments. But then there's all the mental illnesses and the ailments. The depression, the anxiety, the Lou Gehrig's disease. Alzheimer's, depression, ALS, dementia. And I'm like, man, that is a heavy fight to fight every single day of my life. Oh, I need some help. And then, as if the physical aspect and the emotional aspect wasn't enough, then I've come to terms with I am under spiritual warfare every single day of my life, too. When does this stop? Oh, this is why the resurrection is such good news to someone like me and hopefully to someone like you. We seem to be in love with this world, but I just told you every day you're under war. You can argue with me and you can fight with me, but I don't think you can deny what I just said that there are physical ailments, that there are emotional and mental ailments, as well as spiritual ailments that we face every single day of our life. And so, with the temptations all around and constantly led astray, the way I look at this and the reason resurrection is so amazing is because there is peace in the midst of daily war in the victory in Jesus. Indeed. Amen. And that victory is what I hold on to. And it's something I take with me every single day. Now granted, 95% of the time I might forget about it. 
but I take it with me every single day. And praise the Lord when it's brought up to me by the Spirit again, that I know that it's, again, going to be okay, and that there is that victory in Jesus. And so this is what we celebrate too, brothers and sisters, the war that Jesus fought here on earth with crazy human beings coming at him from every direction with all kinds of you know, wants, desires, needs, brokenness. And yet he continued to help us. And that war that Jesus fought brought victory. You see it in that second point. He is raised. That is victory. And so to a hopeless people such as ourselves, and to a helpless people such as ourselves, he gave us the hope, and he gave us the strength to persevere, the strength to walk this life until we get to go home and be with him forever, face to face. And as you see from the bottom of your sheet, maybe you'll take this with you too. And I'm guessing you'll forget it 95% of the time, if not more, but may you take it with you. God keeps his promises. And as the Lord of life, salvation is quite literally in his name. Yahweh means God saves, or no, God is salvation. Yahweh means God is salvation. Yeshua, or Jesus, means God saves. And that's exactly what Yeshua did. He saved us. And so, God keeps his promises, and as the Lord of life, salvation is in his name, and the entire purpose of his gospel. And that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. Because in the scheme of war and peace, and in the matters of life and death, there's victory. And it's only found in Christ. And it's for those of us who have been blessed by God's grace, His unmerited favor on our lives, and His mercy, not receiving the punishment that we deserve, that we can walk in this newness of life and actually have this inexpressible joy that no one else in this world has. Because they don't know the Savior. They only know the things of the world. And if you only know the things of the world, well then, by all means, I understand your anxiety. I understand your depression. I understand your hopelessness. I understand your helplessness. But I know the Lord who flips that on his head too. And so, praise the Lord Jesus for all that he's done. Praise the Lord certainly for his gospel of salvation. Thank you for the newness of life. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for inviting us to be a part of your kingdom and your family forever. Hallelujah. So, dear Heavenly Father, as always, there's no shortage of, of thankfulness. There's no shortage of blessings that come out of my mouth for you. You know, when we look at the things of the world and how hard life is, but Lord Jesus, man, how amazing you are that you came and conquered it. You showed us the way and the path, and as our perfect substitute, and as the the sacrificial lamb that we see on these windows in the Easter, that, Lord Jesus, there's nothing we can say other than thank you. It's not something we can be boastful about or prideful about, but it's something we can be grateful of. So continue to change our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh and make us grateful for what we do have rather than ungrateful for all the things that are broken and what we might not have and so we rejoice with much joy and great thanksgiving, and we love you, Lord Jesus.
because you are the reason we're here and you are the reason we have joy in our lives. So it's in your name we pray now until we're with you face to face. Amen. Amen.